0: This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR, sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, and thanks for listening. My dad, who was born way back in 1914, saw a lot of changes in and during his life. He was the quintessential self-made man. Alone early in his life, he always made a way despite the lack of family support or a formal education. I don't think he finished the eighth grade, but he somehow won my mom's heart and trust, and together they raised five kids, me being the youngest, and provided opportunities for us that neither one of them ever had. My dad had a dry wit, was good with math, and believed in the value of work and being helpful to those who had less than him. Like I said, he saw a lot of change during his life. The value of work is still important today, as is a heart of giving. It is this unique combination that I remember about him, and one that can propel a family struggling with monthly bills to find financial peace. Work has decidedly changed in America over this century since my dad was born. For much of his life, work was enough. He never made more than $9.42 an hour, raised five kids, bought a home, built another one, and had a new car every two years, and he never graduated the eighth grade. Work was enough. While work is important, necessary, and I think the biggest tool in the anti-hunger toolbox in many cases, today, it is not enough. At last count, almost 50% of the people who come to food banks for food have at least one person in their household that is working full-time. And if you look on our website at fbcmishorg slash self study. You will find a tableau there that can inform you about how much a household needs to not need either charity or government assistance. You will be shocked based on the cost of living in any county across Michigan. Our work at the food banks across Michigan needs good policies that support work in order to shorten our lines. We also need generosity from the community to help those, as my dad would say, who need a little bit of help for a little while. Thank God for Carolyn Bloodworth at the Consumers Energy Foundation because she and her mighty consumers crew, led by our friend and guest, Garrett Rothschild, as the CEO, believe in our work and the families we serve. Consumers, like other companies, has recently invested a large donation in our work and Carolyn is our guest in a segment today to help us understand the impact of this amazing gift. Work plus goodness is a winning combination for families struggling with living a food insecure life. That's next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Great to see you, and uh, we're going to talk about work maybe later in the show here and the value it has to any the impact. The power of work, I think, is a, is a good topic for us to, to talk about. But, you know, we really need, um, uh, in this time of year, and I think those who've been listening to the show more recently understand that we are, we are in the crux of a perfect storm. The need in the community is up. The resources, particularly from the federal government, USDA in particular, are down, and we just don't have enough food in the warehouse to get out to the community. So that's why giving, as we move into this time of year, is maybe a little more important this year than what
1: it's been in the last couple yeah, and just so our listeners know, and, and we appreciate you, um, if you go to the Food Bank Council of Michigan website, you can see what food bank is serving your community. Um, and if you're interested in giving, there's nobody that would say, oh, you know, we don't need that. <laughs> Every single food bank would be grateful and and are serving a lot of people. And as we continue to strive for a hunger-free Michigan, um, we're so grateful for our food banks and the network of pantries and, and churches churches and schools and and community centers and other other people that are stepping up to make sure that our hungry neighbors have some place to go to get the food they need. But of course, that's not free... And so our goal is to make sure that people know well this is this is what's actually happening, and and to the degree that we can say why, we'll certainly say why. We can also tell you how much of a difference it makes to give right now and and treat you really well in this process. And I know every food bank would do the same thing. So uh, it is a really important time of year as most people are thinking about giving this time of year and and being grateful to be able to give back because of the blessings they've had in their life, and it really is a joyous time, right? We talk about the joy of the holiday season for a reason. Yeah, Jerry,
0: I think there's another side to this giving that that I want to bring out for a minute. I recently w- was at a, a distribution at one of our food banks. This happened to be down toward the Battle Creek with South Michigan uh, Food Bank led by our, their CEO, Peter Vogel. And I'm, I I'm, was just Standing in line, what kind of watching folks watching how it happened and everything because it's it's pretty precise how things happen at a at a large food distribution, and um, I noticed that a guy was was in his car, he got some food, and then instead of pulling out of the parking lot and leaving, he pulled over to another side of the parking lot and he stopped, parked his car, got out, and the guy started helping other people get food and loading it into their vehicle. And it's amazing to me that the guy who needed food for his family stopped and became a volunteer to help other families get the food they needed. And its I think it was, it was a beautiful picture and maybe a bit of a different perspective that people might have about the folks that are struggling with food insecurity.
1: You know, I I have people ask me uh, every once in a while, they'll say, I, I went by a food distribution and I saw a Cadillac in the in the line. And I just thought to myself, what is a person with a Cadillac doing in that line? So so I, I do want to take a minute to talk about that because there's so many dynamics to how people manage how to get food. A lot of people don't have transportation. And so their neighbors and friends are bringing them to the distribution. And that's one of the things that happens all the time at food distributions is people are are asking for help from other people that can give them a ride. So that happens. The other thing that happens is somebody who's making pretty good money has bought that car and all of a sudden has a health crisis or they've lost their job. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is that car is one of their only ways that they're going to get back into the workforce. We don't want them to have to sell that car in order to in order to get food right now as they're having a crisis. That, that would be totally the wrong thing to do. So so when you think about how generous people are who, who decide to help other people, some of those people are the very people we serve. And it is very touching and very humbling to see how much people are willing to give even when they themselves are going through a crisis.
0: You know, Jerry, we've been doing this show for almost five years now. And we did a show, I don't know, probably the second year, about uh, the number of people who identify with some faith and how important taking care of the poor and feeding the hungry is to that faith. So whether you be Christian or any version of that, whether you be Muslim or any version of that, whether you be Jewish, you know, whatever, it's there, you know, all the way through the Eastern religions, all of it. Every religion has that as a component, feed the poor, take care, take care of people. I want to package that with the statement that everyone is struggling with something every day. Everyone is struggling with something. So so what happens to the gift that I give, whether it be money or food or time or whatever? I don't know. And that's not my responsibility my responsibility is to do what my faith commands me to do, which is give. Not determine the outcome. This is about me. It is not about them. And somebody ought to give me an amen or oh me. On this one.
1: <laughs> well, I will say this. That that would that statement is going to get a lot of people thinking about that. And they're going to be thinking a lot of things because do you run your giving like you run your business, right? And so when you think about, I want to give and I want to make sure when I give, it matters. I think it's reasonable for a donor to say it matters, right? And I know that it matters. I think that's reasonable, but that's a different that's a different challenge than what your faith is calling you to, to be a good person. So when you decide, I want to know that my gift matters, that's okay. It's okay to know. And, and you should be able to ask anyone you're giving to whether or not or how much or in what ways does that gift matter. On the other hand, though, you still got to take care of your own spiritual well-being. And giving is a critical part of that to where the outcome of that gift is not the main point. So that's how I would reframe it. I don't know if you agree, doctor, but that's, that's my take. Well, you're, you're
0: more eloquent than I am today, and that's probably needed. My <laughs> point is, what happens to the gift does not preclude me or absolve
1: me from giving. Well, that's exactly right. We, it's, it, it, and, and as you say, we're not making that up. That's practically every major religion in the world has something about that in their, in their main, uh, this is what it means to be a good whatever.
0: Well, I'm happy to have that discussion and and, and debate any of our listeners or talk with any of our listeners that want to do that. I will just warn you that one of us in this conversation is going to have a doctorate in religious science and philosophy. (laughs) So be, be, be forewarned that I do think about this quite a bit. So we got to take a quick break. Jerry, we're going to talk about a very special gift in just a moment with our friend and partner in this work, Carolyn Bloodworth, from the Consumers Foundation. She's with us next. You come back and be with us, too. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Broussard. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Jerry, our friend Carolyn Bloodworth is with us as we promised. And so I know you and Carolyn have known each other a long time. So I'm going to give you the privilege of welcoming her to the show
1: again. We're so glad to have you on the show, Carolyn, and and to have you as part of our life and our and our support network, and someone in the community who's doing a lot of great things. We have not nearly enough time to talk about all those great things, but we do have time to talk about uh, some support that recently came from consumers to the Food Bank Council of Michigan that was. Uh, just a fantastic Christmas or or Thanksgiving or, you know, whatever holiday season people are into right now, uh, little message of support for the community that you care and you want to help. And, and we want to know a little bit more about that.
2: Well, thank you, Jerry and Phil. It's always such an honor and a pleasure to work with you and to speak with you. Um, We at Consumers Energy know that this is going to be a really tough winter ahead. And as winter comes, we knew we wanted to do something to help. Um, So we wanted to do something that would be impactful and make a difference. And we knew that um, food and hunger are a challenge that so many in our state are facing, and that has not gone away. So we immediately thought, why? Can't we provide some support to the Food Bank Council and have them help get these resources out to your amazing network who are meeting the needs of people in their communities every single day?
1: Well, does 1.5 million meals sound like a lot?
2: It sounds like um, a wonderful way to help. Like it really, truly does.
1: Well, it does make a difference. And I'll say, you know, we've been talking on the show quite a bit about how the there's still a lot of transition happening, not only even between uh, administrations, federal government-wise, but also, uh, you know, really coming to grips with post-pandemic truth and and some of the truth post pandemic certainly is inflation and and what that means to the people we serve but part of it is that you know there's still employment and child care and other significant issues in the community that just aren't fixed so so while many people are doing better and we see the unemployment numbers and we know that a lot of people who need work are qualified to do that work and there's not enough people to do all that kind of work that needs to be done but there's still a lot of restaurants closed and there's still a lot of service jobs that aren't back to where they were and a living wage is harder to achieve right now and as we when we talk about living wage all we really say about that is well if you got to work 50 or 60 hours a week and you still can't pay the rent how many weeks are you going to do that job? I mean, it's really challenging grappling with those things. So while we're headed into the holiday season, we know these challenges are robbing the joy of the season from a lot of families. And 1.5 million meals is going to make a huge difference.
2: Well, Jerry, we we couldn't agree more. And we have great concerns for what families are facing. Um, We want to eliminate whatever barriers that people have to be able to get access to such important critical needs. You talk about housing, um, medicine, and childcare are just a few of those basic needs that are really critical for people to be able to survive, let alone thrive, and so we so deeply appreciate the work of your network to be able to help.
0: Well, Carolyn, you're the Executive Director of Corporate Giving at Consumers Energy, and Way back at the beginning of the pandemic, you guys remember the pandemic, right? <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> I got a phone call. I mean, soon as schools began to close and it was apparent that our state was really in for some troubling times. Jerry, I think you know this. The first call I received was from Carolyn. Yep, yep. And and she came in. Consumers walked right alongside of us, and uh, it was. You know, it, I mean, even at the beginning, when we didn't quite know the, the scale of what we were going to deal with, which was massive at, at every level, from healthcare care to, to helping people with food, um, it, w- it was such an inspiration and encouragement, Carolyn, for you to... Now, I didn't reach out to you. You reached out to me. And I think that really talks about the essence of the character that is at and makes up Consumers Energy?
2: Well, thank you, Phil. I think that the relationships we form in good times really come through for us when we reach those challenging times. And you were there when I, when I made that call. And I will have to tell you, all of us at Consumers Energy and the Consumers Energy Foundation appreciate that opportunity to be able to provide some help um, because we know that we're still not quite out of it. And we know this, this, the coming months are not going to be easy. And so we want to do everything we can to help.
0: And I got to think that, you know, uh, occasionally, you know, we might debate economic policy on this show with, with some economists and talk about that. But, you know, Reaganomics as a economic policy, I think there's some pretty strong opinions about that. But I do think that the principle of Reaganomics, which is trickle down, works from a leadership standpoint for sure maybe not as an economic policy, but definitely as a leadership principle. And your CEO at Consumers, I think that a lot of this trickles down from that office. We had Garrick on the show, and uh, we replayed that show recently. And, you know, I can just sense that, that he gets it. He gets this work, this mission. And um, I, I gotta think that a, a lot of this that's been born in Consumers also continues with his leadership.
2: Oh, without question. Um, caring, I think, is one of the fundamental um, principles of how we how we are every single day. And Garrick is a tremendous leader who whose depth of care. I remember it wasn't that long ago when he looked at me and he said, we need to figure out what we can do. He um, very much is aware of the needs and working really hard to make sure that we're taking care of everyone as best we can.
0: Well, too, and I think that it's great to have you alongside of him and, you know, because, you know, you've been involved with the Food Bank Council and the the Feeding America food banks in this state for a number of years, Um, you know, back in the early days, I'll say, and when we were still evolving into the... uh, the precise and, uh, and and very professional network that we are today.
2: Very much so. I, I do remember those early days and I also remember I was trained very well by your predecessors. Um, <laughs> they taught me to, to rely on this network and rely on the caring and compassion of food banks across the state who are really in the trenches working hard every single day to help people.
0: She's Carolyn Bloodworth. She's the Executive Director for Corporate Giving at Consumers Energy. Jerry, she's our friend, our colleague, and our partner in this work.
1: Absolutely, and we're, again, grateful to have you. Thanks for talking about the the support you're giving right now. It makes a huge difference.
2: It is our pleasure, and thank you so much for all you're doing.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Jerry and I are back for the next segment in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Jerry, it's uh, great to have people, leaders, influencers like Carolyn Bloodworth that believe in this work and believe in us and our leadership it's 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 inspiring
1: actually. Well, it reminds us that this issue is top of mind for a lot of people, right? It's you know, when we live it every day, you 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 can get a little focused on the things that you're doing, right? I'm doing this or doing this. But when somebody calls you and reminds you, "Hey, we are with you in this uh, whether you've called me or not." This is top of mind for us. We know how important it is. You, you talk about relationships and you talk about trust a lot, Dr. Phil. And I think those two things are so embodied in the relationship with Consumers Energy. There's a good relationship built on trust and an experience of impact that matters to the community. And those things, you know, really move the needle at the times when the needle needs to be moved. So I'm humbled and honored to to when that, whenever that happens and people just reach out of their own accord because this is important to them and they believe we will do the best thing with their contribution. That is a touching, touching moment every time.
0: Well, 1.5 million meals is no small thing for e- any of us, but that that's going to have a tremendous impact, as you said, in our segment with Carolyn. Uh, Jerry, you know, um just kind of shifting gears a little bit because um uh, I think as we move into the holiday season and we start we're in Michigan Harvest Gathering right now, people are donating at feedmichigan.org org to all of our food banks. Um, that has statewide impact and so it's pretty cool. They can actually do some shopping there. I like that part of it a lot. Um but there's always a question, like you know, well, you brought up in the last segment about the Cadillac sitting in the distribution line. You know, um, what w- we see, help wanted signs in in shops and small businesses, and are people are people doing all that they can do to help themselves? This idea of personal responsibility kind of comes to top of mind for some folks, um, and so I think it's probably good to talk about that we value work in our work. That that work, in my mind, is the biggest tool in the anti-hunger toolbox, particularly at a job that pays um, at a wage that allows people to be self-sufficient. Now some people might call that a living wage. I'll prefer the term people being self-sufficient because I think that's when people are truly free. And I think that's something that all of us want for ourselves, our family, and for everyone else. They want liberty to be free and work
1: that brings pay allows that freedom to happen. Well, there's no doubt about it and and you know, if if the best social program is a job and for most people it is in fact what they want. They want a job that's meaningful to them, that pays enough that they can that they can make their way through life without needing help from anyone and so it becomes a matter of, well then why don't we have enough of those, right? And the answer to that is complicated. For a lot of people who who own businesses and who can't find enough employees, this is a high time of frustration where they want to say, look, I'm, I'm paying what I think is more than a reasonable wage and I'm not getting anyone to sign up. Well, you know, it's easy then to draw conclusions. Well, this is why. People are lazy. They don't want to work hard. They, you know, they're getting benefits from the government, and that's keeping them from coming to work. I understand where those opinions are coming from. And my guess is that all of those opinions have some basis in fact. But not all of the truth is encompassed in any of those statements. The whole truth about our community and how it works is a complicated picture. And one of the things we've said to each other, and I'm sure we've said it on the show, is the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve, right? Sure. Because you're not taking into account all of the things that really it would take to get what we want where it needs to be so that everybody has what they need, employers have the employees that they want, employees have the work that they want, everyone has the pay that they want, everyone feels like what they're doing is beneficial and is and is returning to them the value in life that they want. It's a great idea. And right. you know what? For a lot of us it really is working, right? Yeah. So so how do we get that for everyone? What does it really take? So experiential wisdom is a little
0: dangerous, but I talked about my dad in the, in the monologue. Um, and, you know, again, he didn't graduate the eighth grade, never made more than $9.42 an hour, raised five kids, all the things that I said, right? It's hard in this day for that kind of success to happen. I mean— I think that, you know, like you said, the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. You can just look at that simply and say, wages have not kept up with the cost of living. I think there's a lot of data that supports that. But that's not the only thing, as you said. I mean, there are other factors involved. But I do think that wages have to be in the the mix. And that's why we published a self-sufficiency standard. That has to be in the part of the conversation. The self-sufficiency standard says this is what a household type of whatever it might be needs to be self-sufficient, not need charity, not need government in any county in Michigan. And, And I'm telling you, it's a valuable piece of information because it helps us understand the level people need to get to per year, per month, per hour in order to be
1: self-sufficient and not need us. Well, and so let's talk about one aspect of the self-sufficiency standard. And that's, so when you look at the the self-sufficiency standard, you're gonna see the components of a household budget. And one of the components of the household budget is the cost of childcare. It's one of the significant components of a household budget. And depending on the age of your children, that can, that can take up a tremendous percentage of your entire revenue if, you, if you're somewhere around uh, minimum wage. So you say, okay, well, if school goes from 8 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but in order for you to pay your rent, you got to work from 7 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night. Still leaving some time, right? Well, wait a minute. How do you fill the gaps for your kids in between those two hourly points, right? Mm-hmm. The fact is, you got to pay somebody to do that. And what you're going to pay them is more than what you make. So you're working those extra hours is not adding to your household income. Now, you can say, well, you ought to lean on family. Hey, that's great. If you've got family to lean on, that's great. If you've got, you know, maybe older kids at home that can help with the younger kids, that's great. But you can't just sit your kids in front of the TV, right? The fact is, if you have family values, if you care about what's happening inside that household, you've got to think about access to child care as a key component of employment, and that's not just true for single parent households. That's true for both single parent households and households that have two working parents. It is, it is a huge challenge, and that's where legislation and policy and understanding the depth of the issue really matters. That's
0: really great, Jerry, because Michigan is not the most expensive state out of 50 for child care, but we're in the top five. So, yeah. you know, and I, I think I want to I bring this out, too. So when people say, well, wait, they're, they're, they're on this benefit and, and they're not working. They could work more or something like that. I, I, wanna, I really want to give a different perspective here. Every one of us, every day, whether we're running a, a, an actual business or we're talking about our personal business, you know what we do? We make decisions, business decisions, that directly impact our Life and the quality of life in our future. We make those decisions based on what we believe is best for us, best for our business, best for our family. That's all these folks are doing. They're making the best business decision they can make for them and for their family. So when you say we need to work more, then then you got to take into effect expenses like childcare. And so that's where the policy you're talking about needs to come alongside and reward work
1: rather than de-incentivize work. Well, that's right. So the when you get a raise, you want that raise to, to go right to the bottom line for a household. You want them to be able to buy more, things that they want, things that are going to stimulate more economic activity. You want people to be able to spend the dollars they make. But... If their raise takes away income from their house that they were getting from a government benefit, now they actually have less money to spend. And so the raise is actually hurting the economy. How can that be? That's not good policy, right? Right. The the sad truth is we've known about this for a long time, but people get concerned about what? They get concerned about fairness. If, if someone over here is getting a, a benefit, let's say it's a food benefit like SNAP, and now they're making as much money as somebody else who's not getting that benefit, how is it fair that one person gets it and one person doesn't? That's a reasonable question, right? That's not unreasonable. That's what makes policy work challenging and why we got to put our minds to it. It's not simple solutions. It's complicated solutions, but... That doesn't mean there are no solutions. And a perfect solution doesn't have to be the answer either. It can just be a better solution. We keep taking one step forward. So, so you know, as we continue marching along the path of a food secure Michigan, we have to have policies that support not only what we want, but what the people we serve want. The people we serve want a job that pays them enough so they don't have to come to a food distribution.
0: Well, that's when people say, Phil, we wish you guys would work yourself out of a job. Okay, (laughs) let's talk (laughs) policy.
1: Right, that's right.
0: Then we can do that. Jerry, we got to take a break. But I will say, at the self-sufficiency standard, you're also going to get a peek into the top 10 jobs. That is the top 10 jobs by the number of people employed across Michigan. And one of those top 10 jobs pays a self-sufficiency wage. One out of 10. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back in just a moment. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Jerry, uh, you know, good conversation about about the the combination that we need to make this work, and that is, you know, people have personal responsibility, and 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 the value and the power of work, but also. The goodness of people is very important. Like when we talked with Carolyn earlier in the show, um, and every every food bank in Michigan. In fact, I will say every food bank in America, because we're part of the Feeding America network, and we serve every county in the nation. Let that sink in for a minute, folks. Right. Every food bank at this time of year, I promise you, has a campaign. To help them get through the winter months and meet the need that their communities are facing. And I don't think our food banks in Michigan are any different the seven that we have. We all have some version of a, of a, of a giving campaign and it's, it's not for any other reason than we need to help to help our hungry neighbors. Gleaners has one as an example that you guys do here in Southeast Michigan like all the rest of our food banks do where they're serving.
1: Oh yeah, and our listeners are WJR listeners, so you get to hear about Hunger Free in the D quite often these days and 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 again, the reason is because it matters so much. We've got the Chelani Family Foundation who's matching gifts. Uh, they they do a tremendous job for us every year to make sure to get the word out right now when people are are ready to give and and you know, like uh, gleaners. every food bank is very efficient with 90, 95, 97 cents of every dollar donated going to the mission. Very low fundraising and administrative costs overall. It's a good use of your dollars. We know every dollar provides three or four or five or six meals depending on what campaign is running. All of those are a good deal. If you can get three meals for a dollar, let me know how. I'd love to hear about it, right? We can and we do, and that's the low bar. You know, three, four, five, six, depending on, on who's matching gifts and those kinds of things. Every food bank is doing that right now. And the other thing I would say, besides efficiency in, in fundraising and administrative costs and delivering a lot of meals for a low amount of money, the most important thing is that it matters to people. Whatever they need to do to be successful, they will be more successful if they're not food insecure. They will come to work more. They will learn better. They, they will do every challenge in their life better if they are food secure. When we think about root causes, we fundamentally believe you cannot solve unemployment if you don't solve food security. You cannot solve education if you don't solve food security. These things have to go together, and we must be focused on taking this issue off the table.
0: Man, that's awesome. That was very well said. I just wanted you to keep going. You know, you're not gonna solve chronic health outcomes without solving and creating food security in that patient's life right oh you know i mean it's just the truth and the other thing that you say quite a bit uh, over the years of this show is it's a lot cheaper to solve it on the front end
1: food's a lot cheaper than medicine right or the other tremendous problems that people have if they have food insecurity for a stretch in their life. It's much harder to overcome those challenges. You know, you get left behind and catching up takes a lot more effort than just keeping up. Oh, that's the truth. That's absolutely the
0: truth. Um, And, you know, Jerry, I think that 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 as you mentioned, Hunger Free and the D. I think that some of the food banks, you know, Food Bank of Eastern Michigan out of Flint that serves 22 counties. They have Empty Plate, Empty Bowls, um, Greater Lansing Food Bank. They have a version of that as well. Feeding America West, Michigan on the west side that has 40 of our 83 counties to serve. They have a campaign, South Michigan Food Bank based out of Battle Creek and a certainly Forgotten Harvest here. And you guys share territory, have campaigns. They do the work a little different than Gleaners. Does gleaners does the work a little different, but y'all complement each other very well. And of course, food gatherers serving over in Washtenaw County and and, uh, and Ann Arbor area. Um, it's all of them collectively have a campaign. And if and if you want to help, all seven of them, I'm going to tell you how to do that. You can go to feedmichigan.org and make a donation, or you can shop for the items that all seven of these food banks need drastically right now it might be green beans i don't know do we have green beans in the warehouse I'm... we need everything right now the <laughs> warehouse
1: is very light on inventory so anything that comes in is going out right now
0: right right well we want to come alongside we, we think you folks want to come alongside of us and uh, we certainly want to come alongside of our families and our communities that are struggling living under the toxic stress of food insecurity well, jerry time for a little food for thought A friend is defined as someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. Carolyn Bloodworth, Garrick Rothschild, the president and CEO of Consumers Energy Corporation, are certainly those kinds of friends. The whole of Consumers is, and to be candid, we need a few more friends to show up for us this winter as well. Please consider giving of your time, talent, and treasure to help families who have more month than money right now. Help us help them by allowing us to help take hunger off of their tables for all of them across the state. Long-term problems like the imbalance of work versus the cost of living take time, but hunger never stops, and neither do we, because we will continue to strive to put and keep food first, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and
1: by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.